these unforeseen consequences are going to fall into three categories. On the positive side of the ledger, there are added bonuses that are called unexpected benefits. On the negative side, there are what is called unexpected drawbacks. Kind of like the side effects of medicine. I don't know if you've paid any attention to Big Pharma or not, but the side effects of medicine are interesting because they say it's for heartburn. But it may cause... Come on, you guys can go with it right now. By the time they get through with that, what it may cause, I'm like, forget it, sucker. Give me Tums. I'm done. It may... Fix your heartburn, but it also may give you cirrhosis. It may give you heart damage. It may give you uh, infection in your stomach. It may give you messed up colon. By the time they're done, I'm like, good grief, is there any hope whatsoever? Well, folks, this is what are called unexpected drawbacks. It's like they try to fix one thing, so it creates another problem. Unanticipated consequence. Finally, the third category would be perverse results. This is when your original intention comes back and bites you on the backside. What you thought to work ends up being quite the contrary and works against you. If you've read anything about this, it's also known as the cobra effect because of the way that bounty was given for killing cobras when it backfired in British India it created what they called the perverse incentive to breed cobras people were receiving bounty for killing cobras so somebody got the idea if they're worth killing and they're worth money for killing then they'd be worth money for breeding the government said we're going to try to get rid of them by killing them and the people said, well, we're going to breed them because we want to make more money while you're trying to fix the problem. And it ended up being quite the perverse outcome when the unforeseen circumstances was very simply that the problem became worse while they were trying to make it better. Now, while Robert K. Merton certainly popularized the idea of unintended consequences, I tell you that it did not originate with him. The reality is, is that the concept of unintended consequences has a much deeper and longer genealogy than that. It can be traced all the way back to one of history's greatest moral philosophers by the name of Joseph. He expounded it in this way in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. But as for you, you thought it evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph said, I live in a kingdom of unanticipated consequence because you, my enemy, you thought that you would destroy me. You thought that you would bring me down. You thought you would end my story. But what you intended for evil, there are some unanticipated consequences. 
devil, you just thought you had me. You gave me your best shot, but I'm still standing right here. And there are some unanticipated consequences. I am stronger than I've ever been, and I'm going to be your worst nightmare. I came to preach to somebody tonight that ought to give the message to the devil. You should have killed me when you could. You should have took me out when you could. Now I'm living in the unintended consequence. Somebody's about to get it. I'm telling you, we live in a kingdom of unintended consequence. When the enemy thought if he would try to destroy your testimony with sin and shame, that you would be neglected and rejected for the rest of your life. But what he did not realize is everything he was causing you to invest in was making you stronger than he could have ever imagined. He thought he was going to use it to bring your sure destruction. But the truth is, the unintended consequence, the table will be turned. And there is coming a day that we're going to see the accuser of the brethren be cast into a bottomless pit. If I could tonight, I would like to extrapolate somewhat from what I was speaking to you about this morning and help you to understand that the will of God doesn't always feel like the will of God. For it was Joseph that was sold by his brothers into slavery. They thought that they would destroy him. They thought that they would kill him. So they threw him into a pit. And it hurt his feelings. And he was broken. And there was a lot of collateral damage. Because they took a bloody coat that was absolutely a lie back to his father. And they handed it to him. And his father just began to imagine the horrible things that had happened to his son. But I feel like somebody needs to be reminded tonight that the bloody coat was alive from the beginning. You're going to find out when it's all said and done that you cannot believe every bloody coat that is laid at your feet. Sir, your dream has not died. Sister, your dream has not died. The bloody coat is alive. So now he's in a pit, nowhere to go, and the only way that he can look is up. I know that don't sound like the will of God, but you must understand that the will of God has been proven to me more times than I wish to count in seasons that the only place I had to look was up. I could not go any lower. There was nowhere else that I could go and I had to look up at some men that were coming by that I thought perhaps may harm me or I didn't know if they came to help me. But Joseph said, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to do. I'm at the mercy of the pit. And when they brought him out of the pit, he was sold into slavery and ultimately 
only taken to Egypt, which at that time probably felt like one of the most cruel things that could ever happen. But it is, after all, a kingdom of unexpected consequences. And Joseph, there's something you need to know, son, that the pit is not your destiny, but it's part of forming your character to make you who you are. If God can learn to handle you and to trust you in a pit, then God knows he can handle you and he can trust you in Potiphar's house. A lot of people feel like Joseph's character was tested in Potiphar's house. But you find for me one moment of vacillation in Joseph's thinking in that narrative. And I'll agree with you on that. His character was not tested in Potiphar's house. He had already made up in his mind before he ever got there. That nobody is ever going to take away from me the integrity that's in my soul. Listen to what I'm telling you. You've got to learn to build your character before you ever get to Potiphar's house. You've got to learn. Understand me when I tell you that Joseph, the Bible said that he stepped out of that garment. What is it? With Joseph and coats. With Joseph and robes. His first robe was the lie that told him his father he was dead when he really wasn't and the second robe was the one that she used Potiphar's wife used to incriminate him and hold against him and injustice but what he did not realize is when he stepped out of that garment although for a little while it would look like it was proof that he had done what she said he had tried to do the real truth is that it was proof that Joseph was not living alone in the kingdom of Egypt but he was living in a kingdom of unintended consequence and God was about to raise him up God was about to raise him up as he stepped out of that garment he stepped into his destiny oh I don't know pastor I don't don't know if he stepped into his destiny because he ended up going to prison oh yeah that was the will of God too There's no shortcuts to power in a famine because you've got to run into a butler and a baker. (laughs) How do we know that Joseph can interpret dreams? How do we know what he's going to do? Well, because there's a butler and a baker. They both had dreams. And he said, don't forget me. When you get to Pharaoh, don't forget me. And so... One day Pharaoh has a dream. He says, I'm not real happy with what I saw. I don't quite get it all. I don't don't understand. He said, all all I know is that I saw a bunch of cows that were fat and fields that were full. And he said, I saw cattle that were emaciated and looked like they were about to blow away in the wind. He said, I I need somebody and my mind is troubled. Somebody spoke up and said, "Um, there's a guy that talked to me one time while we were in prison together. Folks, I've had conversations like that before. And it gets kind of weird. And you say, I got a job I need somebody to do. And they say, well, you know, I have a buddy that I was in prison with. (laughs) What you need to know is that Joseph's giftings were not predicated on his surroundings. But his future was predicated 
on his integrity while he was surrounded by things that were less than perfect. It was in these moments that Joseph learned, I may be in prison, but I'm not a prisoner. Think about that, church. I may have been neglected. I may have been forsaken. Can I preach to somebody right here tonight and just help you in your spirit a little bit? Can I just help somebody in this house tonight and tell you that if Joseph's brothers would have had any say-so in it, Joseph would have never sat uh, close to the throne in Egypt, would have never been in power. But I just want to help you tonight. It really doesn't matter what his brothers wanted. I know you think that people that have hurt you and rejected you and have dropped you when they should have held you, those people are the ones that have stopped your future. But I feel like telling you tonight, be encouraged in the Lord. You have never been so forsaken that God cannot pick you up. I don't want to feel... God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Out of what feels like broken dreams and shattered lives, he can pick you up and turn you around. Can I tell you tonight that you don't live in this present world? You may be in the world, but you're not of the world. You live in a kingdom of unanticipated. But as for you, you thought it evil against me. But God meant it unto good. So he comes forth with the answer to Pharaoh. He says, yes, sir. Your dream is fulfilled in the fact that there will be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And in a kingdom of unexpected consequences, Pharaoh was not just happy with the prediction. He wanted to give him some power. Because the prediction was that Pharaoh, if God can speak clearly enough to this man to show him direction and what's going to happen, then this is the kind of tool that you need to be raised up in Egypt to bring deliverance to your nation. But in a kingdom of unexpected consequences, what Pharaoh did not know is that freedom would not only be brought to uh, Egypt from the famine, but that there was another nation that Joseph had been raised up in and that God was going to use Egypt to be a blessing to Israel because at some point in a young man's life who felt like life had been unfair and his father had to believe a lie and his brothers had been cruel but God said let me realign you and let me readjust you and help you understand that everything you went through was for a purpose and everything you went through I had a plan for you and everything that you've been facing it is not without consequence because in my kingdom Joseph it is a kingdom of unanticipated consequence and I'm about to elevate you out of a pit and I'm about to elevate you out of false accusation and I'm about to elevate you out of a prison and I'm about to set you up in a palace and through you Joseph you are going to bring freedom in a famine to two nations only God can take the cruel intentions of Joseph's selfish brothers and leverage it to save two nations from famine, only God can do that. As I read Genesis 50 and 20, I was reminded of something that you'll see so very often, but I think now that maybe some of us 
have become desensitized to it, especially if we're really polished Pentecostals. And we've been around long enough to get all the dirt off of us so that nobody knows where we've been or what we've been through or that we've got a testimony. But I was reading Genesis 50 and verse 20 when he said, But as for you, you thought it evil against me. And these two words right here are the game changer. But God, I've heard it preached time after time. I think there's songs written after it. There's poems about it. There's memes about it. There's stuff all over the internet about it. But God. And we use that so loosely. We say, well, I should have been this, but God. And it's like the power of that testimony has been destroyed by making it common. But in a kingdom of unanticipated consequences, we realize that everything that's working against us right now is really working for our good. It may feel like right now your back is against the wall, but there's two words that's getting ready to change your life in this place tonight. I thought what I was going through would be the end of me. But God, I thought what I... I can't get nobody to help me on Sunday night. I want you to understand this preacher when I tell you that I should not be here tonight. But God was with me. You should not be here tonight with your hands raised. But God... What do people think about me? You know what? It really don't matter. Because it wasn't people that was promoting Joseph. Man, I wish I could get that down in your soul tonight. What about Potiphar? What about Potiphar? Can I just be, be I, I don't want this to sound awful. Tonight, it's probably going to sound a little crude to some of you, but I, it's just kind of country boy way. I have a saying that I've told people all my life. If this offends you, just buy me a cheeseburger later. But I tell people frequently, stop worrying about it. The doo-doo always rises to the top. <laughs> God will reveal in time the truth. God will reveal in time that what Potiphar's wife did to you was not right. But you've got to quit trying to vindicate for God and let God be the vindicator. I'm telling you, church, I absolutely believe that one of the greatest things you could ever do in life is to learn to just hang in there and outlive some stuff. People used to say all the time, you know, how many times are you going backside before you come back to God? I don't know. But this is the time that I came back and I stuck. See, I, I don't think anybody wants to help me right there. I, I said it don't matter how many times you fell down. Yeah, but I failed God. It don't matter how many times you have failed God. 
Let me just tell you, you live in a kingdom of unintended consequences. It's not the end for you. It's not over for you. Get back up again and let God heal you. I'm going to preach really, really brutal to you right here for just a second, so put your seatbelt on. But if you're more worried about what people think of you than you are what God thinks about you, you've got some unintended consequences that are coming. And this is what I want to tell you. If people are going to be judgmental of you and that's, that's their problem, let it be their problem because while they're burning in hell, you will have said, I should have not been here, but I finally made it. Is that too hard at preaching on a Sunday night? Let me just tell you right now, there's going to be some folks that are not going to make it, but I made up in my mind, whatever it costs me, I'm going to make it. I'm not going to be lost because somebody else wants me to be. I am going to make it. I'd rather be me praying for them that God would heal their wounded spirit than I would be me with a wounded spirit wishing that I wouldn't have let them affect me. At some point, forgive me if I sound like I'm being mean because I'm not, but at some point you got to pull up your big boy britches and put on your big girl skirt and put on your big boy boots and say, you know what? The world has handed me a couple of tough blows, but I didn't start this thing to quit. I didn't start this thing to throw in the towel. I've already made up my mind that I'm going to finish. He never said that life would be fair. God never said that life would always be kind. But he did say, lo, I am with you all. He's with you in the pit. He's with you in Potiphar's house. He's with you in the prison. And he's with you in the palace. He's with you in Goshen. He's with you in famine. He's with you in pestilence. He's with us during COVID. He's... You got a few more minutes tonight or you want me to quit? Esther, the king had his eye on you. I know this doesn't feel like good timing for you, honey. But you need to walk through the door that the Lord has opened for you. For days and days and days. She prepared her body with oils. She bathed herself and prepared herself to become a royal to hopefully catch the eye of that king. But the truth is that there was a man by the name of Haman that had evil plans for them. He had plans to destroy them, didn't like what was going on. But there was something, and this is not verbatim in the King James, but you understand my heart when I say that there was a Mordecai behind Esther saying, Baby, you gotta just believe. That God's got this thing together. There is a, a portion of this scripture that we quote all the time when preaching this. And he says to her, who knows? 
if you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And we rejoice about that. But what I would like to point out to you tonight is, is quite obvious. But it's often obfuscated and we miss the intention and the purpose of it. He said you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Understanding that this timing is horrible. This is a terrible time. This time right here. You've been brought to the kingdom for this time right now. This is the time that feels like chaos. This is the time that feels like all hell has broke out. This is the time that Haman wants to destroy you. This is the time that vicious people are out to destroy you. But you have been brought to the kingdom for this time. Esther, God didn't save you for a good time. God didn't save you for a convenient time. God saved you for this time. I've come to preach to FPC tonight about a kingdom of unintended consequences. You have been saved for this time right now. I don't care if it's pestilence. I don't care if it's tribulation. You have been brought to the kingdom for this time. Amen said, I don't like I don't I don't like him. I don't like Mordecai. I don't like what he's doing. I really don't care for that guy. I don't appreciate what he's got going. I, I, I really don't. I, I don't, I don't have a, a care in this world what happens to that sorry rascal. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into the king and I'm going to lie on him. Somebody say he lied on him. Oh, God forbid. He lied on him. He said, king, what can we do? He said, well, let's build some gallows. All right, let's build some gallows. He lied on him. He said, he's trying to, he's trying to work up a a coup on us. He's trying to make all of that. Oh, Lord, we can't, have, we can't be having that. Well, hang him up. But there's this pretty little girl over here. And she's got his attention. And God is working. As they sang this morning, it didn't feel like he was working. They couldn't see him working. As a matter of fact, the evidence was stacking up. And with every single strike of the hammer... Building the gallows and every piece of rope twisted together. It looked like their fate was becoming more and more sure. But they weren't just living in that kingdom. They were living in a kingdom of unintended consequences. Where Haman said, I'm going to hang your hide up. Everything you've tried to do, I'm going to destroy. But there was a little old gal that was sitting there at lunch with the king one day. And said, oh, I think there's something you ought to know. And before the plan was fulfilled, the very thing that Haman had built to destroy Mordecai. Oh, God have mercy. And the Jews, the Bible said that a girl who had been brought to the kingdom in a terrible time for such a time as... Oh, God help us. For such a time as this, can I tell you that it wasn't Mordecai that hung on those gallows. It was Haman because Mordecai and Esther were from a kingdom of unintended. Mordecai walked by. And he looked up there and saw Haman hanging. He said, but for the grace of God. <laughs> that should have been me. But God. <laughs> and 
Pastor, you shouldn't be here. But your favor's not predicated on haters. You're welcome. That's free. Folks, do yourself a favor. And take hatred with a grain of salt. Because Jesus said, before they ever hated you. They hated me. I don't know what God's going to do. I wish he'd go ahead and come back. But I didn't just start out this thing so that I could live a good life for the Lord and dance and shout and clap and then just go to heaven. I started with the intention that whatever I have to do, however far we have to go, whatever we have to endure, I plan on doing just that. I know pre-trip theology and eschatology sure fits the bill a whole lot better for us. I know that part really feels good and I am praying that I be counted worthy to escape these things, no doubt about it. But let me just tell you right now, folks, if the Lord don't come back soon and this is not hate mail, I'm just giving you the truth. We're probably getting ready to see some of the craziest stuff you ever dreamed you'd see. I know a lot of people don't like to hear it when we talk about it, but you know what? We've reached beyond the day where American politics are politics anymore. This is the fight of our lives right now. And we are right now facing down the barrel of either possibly abortion being overturned and homosexual marriage being overturned. Or it being so rampant in the earth that there's nothing we can do about it. So this is going to clearly define the next step that we take as the church. I'm telling you right now that with the replacement of this uh, judicial seat on the Supreme Court over the next several weeks. You and I just might see, and I'm not prophesying this, but I'm just saying we could see some of the darkest days that America has ever seen. Because if a conservative voice gets on that Supreme Court seat, all of hell is going to be turned loose trying to keep that from happening. Are you hearing hearing what I'm telling you tonight? You just go ahead and mark it down. I don't mind to prophesy it to you right now. If it happens that another conservative voice gets put, and I'm not saying conservative as in your political ideas, I'm saying conservative as in at least would be willing to honor God. We need somebody that can turn this thing around for us for one more move of revival. But it doesn't change anything for us regardless of who gets on there. Because if somebody gets on there that turns the tide and it's a bunch of hocus pocus and a bunch of shame and reproach and all that, can I tell you what that means? We are that much closer to the coming of the Lord. And we cannot afford to sit down and quit preaching it. You hear me? There are people that are preaching what I'm preaching right now around the world and it's illegal for them to preach it. We just so happen to be in a nation where it's still legal. But if it becomes illegal, you still got to preach it. I know. 
I know some of us still live paralyzed by the stupidity of American politics like we believe we got answers and it's all just going to go away. You listen to what I'm telling you tonight. There are men that could not fill their pulpit today and if they did, they risk not only going to jail. There's a Baptist preacher right now that is well over $100,000 in California that their court has fined him already over $100,000. And the only thing he did was have church. They interviewed another preacher in California, and they said, you do know the threat of going to jail is over you. He said, well, I've never got to preach in jail. He said, if that's what they want to start, bring it on, because I'll preach in there too. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. I don't want to hear about how bold you are right now while we can still be in the house of God together. If we're going to let a virus keep us out of the house of God, I wonder what's going to happen in eternity. I don't mean to embarrass anybody. I don't want to hurt nobody. I'm not trying to pat anybody on the back. You all know that our family suffered a loss that the medical community suggests. Perhaps our bishop passed away with this dreaded virus. And everybody's talked about how contagious it is. And so this weekend, I asked my grandmother when she said, are we going back to church on Sunday? I said, yes, ma'am, we are. I said, what do you want to do? She said, I'm going to church. Let me ask you something, church. Do we believe this or not? Because I don't find that there's hope anywhere else in this world like there is in the kingdom of God. Yes, we know pain. Yes, our hearts have been hurt. This year, I don't mind telling you this has been the stupidest year of my life. I stood by the beds of folks that I never wanted to leave. That I believed that God would would heal until they drew their last breath. I'm not a fan of 2020. But i got to keep reminding myself that I live in a kingdom of unintended consequence. And it may appear that cancer has ruled and reigned in their mortal body. But in that celestial body. (laughs) I'm not trying to hurt anybody tonight. I don't want anybody to feel at all like I'm trying to hurt you. But you just hear me when I tell you that the sting of death is not permanent. It hurts us right now. It hurts us right now while our families live in it and we grieve in it. Oh, but I'm telling you, brother Stan, there is a great getting up morning. We live in a kingdom of unintended consequences. Benjamin, we live in a kingdom where your mother will be resurrected. We live in a kingdom that it's going to be worth it all if I can be faithful until the end.
Jesus said, tell you what, you go ahead and destroy this temple. But in three days, I'll raise it up. And the people who thought with earthly minds started pointing at brick and mortar and cedar walls and said, he thinks he can do that in three days? But Jesus was not speaking of the kingdom of Israel in the earth. He was speaking of a kingdom of... Un- oh, maybe you don't feel what I feel right now. But a kingdom of unanticipated consequence. When those who were standing around were trying to figure out how it was going to happen in this world. He said, oh, no, no, no. You destroy this temple. And in three days, I'm going to raise it up. And in John 12 and 32, he said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw. I will draw. It's unanticipated, devil. You thought you had ruined it. You thought you shut the party down. But if you raise me up on that cross, I'll draw men. You've been trying to destroy the bloodline of Yeshua HaMashiach. You've been trying to destroy the bloodline of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But I've come to tell you, Satan, we live in a kingdom. You go ahead and destroy this temple. But on the third day, I'm coming back with unanticipated consequence. Satan, your kingdom is coming down. Verse 33. This he said, signifying what death he should die. He wasn't just talking about being lifted up in praise. He wasn't talked about being lifted up in adoration. I know I've heard people say it. Come on, let's lift him up. Let's praise him. He said, if I be lifted up, this he said, signifying the death that he should die. It had nothing to do with adoration. It had nothing to do with praise. It had everything to do with a crucifixion. Because he knew that the crucifixion was not the end of the story. He knew that his death was not the end of the story. And even when they buried him, they had to put him in a borrowed tomb. Because he was living in a kingdom of unanticipated consequence. It was a kingdom that said, I may be in the grave, but I'm not finished yet. I'm coming out of here with authority. I'm coming out of here with power over death and hell. I close tonight by telling somebody that feels like life has been so unfair to you that you ought to just Forgive me for sounding crude, but the best thing for you to do is just put your thumb in your mouth, grab your blankie, sit in a corner, and wait on the coming of the Lord. I want to be as sweet to you as I can, but I want to tell you something, sugar britches. He called you to be a soldier. reading the other day 
about a boy in the Middle East. He was walking with his friends. And all of a sudden, appearing out of the dust storm, was a grenade that was thrown in their direction to take their life. And they said without even a second thought, their friend jumped away from them and laid his body across that explosive device. They said we watched him die as the explosion went off. But they said he did it without a second thought. There has to become a reactive response that you are actually willing to lay down your life for your brother without having to think about it. Because by the time he would have stopped to contemplate, none of them would have lived. You understand what I'm saying? Yet some of us are still trying to figure out how much of our lives we want to lay down for Christ. We're trying to figure out how much we can get by with and still be saved. Oh, Pastor, how short's too short? How cut is uncut? Come on, somebody. I mean, really. Does it matter to God that much? (laughs) It does in a kingdom of unanticipated consequences. Because there's also the perverse consequence. That what you enjoy right now, with just a little bit of caution in your step, well, I don't think it matters to God that much. You start toying around with false doctrine because you think it's something neat to study. Wait till your kids get a hold of it. You listen to what I'm telling you, these quote-unquote hard preachers that the church is ready to get rid of because it's too old-fashioned. If those guys quit preaching, you won't recognize Pentecost in 15 years. Because we live in a kingdom of unanticipated consequence. What people don't understand is everything I've ever laid down in my life for Christ There is an unanticipated consequence because whatever I've been through and whatever I've had to do and whatever I felt like was necessary for me to be saved. Let me tell you what the scripture says about that. It says that one of these days I'm going to walk before him and I'm going to lay that down at his feet. And I'm going to think all the while that it was worth it. That whatever it cost me to get here, it was absolutely worth it. And I'm going to lay it down at his feet. Every crown. Oh, God help me right now. And he's going to put upon me a robe of righteousness. You listen to what I'm telling you. It's hard to explain to people how something that you do in this world affects how it'll be in that world. But on the first day that you're dancing on a street of gold, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it when you behold Jesus face to face. It's a kingdom of unanticipated consequence.
He said, I, if I be lifted up. But he wasn't lifted up until he had been beaten, spit on. You better be careful about asking him to lift you up. Because you don't know what you're going to have to go through before he lifts you up. Uh, God, elevate me, elevate me, elevate me. Okay. But if I be lifted up, I'm going to be lifted up on that cross. After they have beat my back. After they have plugged my beard. After they have cursed my name. But if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw. I'm asking somebody tonight to just quit believing all the evidence. It's not over. God's not finished. Joseph proved to us that while you may live in a kingdom of this world, you are also a royal citizen of a kingdom that has unanticipated consequences. But the difference in me and Joseph is that Joseph didn't know what to expect next. He didn't know if his head would be served up on a platter. He had no idea that he would be elevated. But you and I live with a hope that Joseph never had. That if even in this life they take this life from me, me to live is Christ for me to die is gain pastor is your heart is your heart hurt are you where, where, where are you what, why are you preaching like this because I don't know of anything else in this world that can heal my soul like knowing if I'll do what he's called me to do Brother Jeff, I can't see into that world tonight. But if there's any way that I could, I'd just like to look across that river and see Sister Madonna. I was trying this in my mind, Brother McLean. I... The only way I know how to console my soul. I just got to thinking about it. What if the old crazy white-headed man who used to sit on the front row was one of the first ones to greet my papa. As he stepped across to the other side, Old Brother Murth came running up and said, Hey, 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 hey! That's Brother Bingham. Because you preach truth, Brother Bingham, I want to take you up here, and if you knew his personality, you could imagine this conversation. I met somebody this week that knew you. They said, Brother Bingham, the 
They were homeless in the Philippines. But you were preaching an open air meeting one night. And they bowed their knee to an altar of repentance. And in a kingdom of unanticipated consequences, God took a beggar off the street in a third world country. And tonight, Brother Bingham, they're on a street of gold. Sister Sandy, I don't know how many is going to be there, sweetheart, because they rode on your van. But honey, it's worth it. Sister Jenny, young people that other folks gave up on but you loved. It's a kingdom of unanticipated consequence. I want to take everybody we can, Caleb. How many ways are there to be saved, son? One. What I had to do in Acts 2.38, what I had to do. Repent, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is it okay if I'm baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost? No. How do I got to be baptized? Jesus' name. It's the only saving name. I told my wife the other night. I said, can you, can you imagine that conversation? If Randy ran up to my, my grandfather, what in the world are you doing here? I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but I plan on going. I'm not building my life in this kingdom. I'm building my life in a kingdom of unanticipated consequences. asking all across this room right now if you just lift your hand and submit to God I want my three girls to come up here with me on the platform If me and your mother get to heaven and it's just us, it's going to be worth it. Every message I've ever preached, every Bible study I've ever taught, Brother Haney, I don't know how many I've taught that they walked away and never bought the truth. But if these girls... I've spent a lifetime traveling this world. I've left my family for weeks at a time to go preach to people that they'll never meet. I've 
I laid in a hotel room in the Philippines, bawling my head off because Lauren got the Holy Ghost while I was in the Philippines. And I wasn't there to see her get the Holy Ghost. But I was praying somebody else through the Holy Ghost that may have never heard if I wouldn't have been at that conference. And I don't know if the people that got the Holy Ghost that night will be there or not. But this little girl right here, she's going with me. Forgive me, y'all stay here. You stay here. Forgive me if this sounds a little too personal. I've never told this to my family. See that right there? I got some of their glory hanging off my watch. That's the story of my life right there, Brother Horner. It's in my socks. It's in my britches. Sometimes I just stop praying. I listen to my girl speak in tongues. I have no greater joy than to know my kids walking through. Brother Lang, there ain't no telling, buddy, how many people have heard the gospel because of you. I respect your office in the highest that you could ever imagine because you and your wife have paid the price that these people will never know. Ever. You'll never know the things that this man and his wife have been through. He told me standing in my office this morning, He said, man, ministry's easy in India. That'd be easy for me to say, because I've never been there. But it's not easy to say when you're driving to get to a village and gunshots are bouncing off of trees. It's true. I've never learned a foreign language to preach to anybody. Can you imagine the Indian people? That are going to be there.
We live in a kingdom that our reward is not of this earth. But it's going to be worth it all, Sister Ramsey. We shall behold him face to face. We shall behold him. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Come on, turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Brother Jordan, I can't imagine living the life that you have and your daddy traveling, being gone. I've been there, man. I want my dad to be there to play catch, and he's off preaching somewhere. Can you imagine, bro? All those people that are going to line up. Brother Harper was preaching the night that God set me free from drugs. And in a kingdom of unanticipated consequences, you're saved on the front row at FPC tonight because your daddy kept on preaching. I believe that. Turn your eyes on Jesus. There is so much healing in this place tonight. There is so much healing in this place tonight. That's it, church. yes let his healing touch flood through this house right now
tonight, my heart is so set on 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and the 27th verse. As the great apostle makes a statement personally concerning his own life. I've been up here a long time. I've been through preaching for 30 minutes nearly. But this is the scripture that I keep reminding myself all the time, all the time. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. He said, but I keep my body. I keep my body. And I bring it under subjection. Lest by any means, any tool the enemy would use, whatever device he would use, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, that I myself should be a castaway. I don't know who I came to encourage tonight, but I came to encourage you. Tell you, you don't have to have a pedigree to be awesome. You don't have to be 10 generations deep in Pentecost to be awesome. You are so precious to God. You are so valuable to His kingdom. I don't care if you've never preached to a thousand people. If your mission field has been a McDonald's seat, speaking to an elderly person. If you have a family of 25 or you live all by yourself, here's what you need to know. Keep your body subjected because it's too late in the game to lose out with God now. Whatever you've got to do, stay saved. Whatever you have to endure, endure. Because it's going to be worth it all in the kingdom of unintended consequences. Let's give him praise tonight.